This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We're airing selected hours from our extensive broadcast archive and new live and pre-recorded shows during the pandemic. Check out the schedule at wcbn.org. Next up, Living Writers. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Maybe I'm in love with you I say maybe Maybe I'm in love with you Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers, and I'm T. Hetzel. Today, I'm so happy to be speaking with Sarah Schaff via technology about her latest story collection, The Invention of Love. Sarah, thanks Thanks for talking today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I love this show, uh, and it's really an honor to be on it. Oh, those are kind words indeed, Sarah. It's an honor to have you. It's, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so where are, you, where are you speaking to us from? So I am in Plattsburgh, New York right now. So it's uh, northern New York very close to the Canadian border, just an hour from Montreal, right on Lake Champlain, uh, about an hour from Burlington, Vermont. Oh, what a beautiful location. Yeah, it is. How are you and your family doing um, during the time of COVID now? Well, you know, I think it's day changes day by day. I would say the last two days I've been feeling pretty good. I mean, having voted, that was, that felt good. And then this, it's been great weather. And I, in the last month, started uh, spending every Thursday with my daughter who were homeschooling, taking her out on nearby trails in the Adirondacks. And that has been such a wonderful thing. It's really been keeping me sane and happy and it allows us to spend time with each other in a way that's not, you know, forced education. Yeah. <laughs> um, just getting to know where we live. So I, I would say like the last couple of days, I've been really feeling grateful, really aware of how grateful I am to be able to do that and to as stressed as I am to be both working and homeschooling, uh, feeling grateful that I have a schedule where I can, you know, go out on a Thursday with my kid um, for a hike. So, you know, you can talk to me in two days or after the election, I will might have a different answer. <laughs> but right now, I'd say doing okay. And we can talk again. This is a time capsule moment of you, Sarah. <laughs> Don't worry. You're not locked into anything today. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but you did say you, you did, you, you voted and that was part of feeling good. We sent it and it's, you know, it's a small enough area that we can just call up the board of elections and ask, you know, did you get our ballot? Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
everybody out there, what's your voting plan? <laughs> exactly. What is it? Make one. Um, this is an inadvertent public service announcement by Sarah Schaff and Tietzel. Um, well, you know, Sarah, before we start talking about your, your wonderful book of stories, I'll read um, your bio from your website. Sarah Schaff is the author of the story collections, The Invention of Love, Split Lip Press 2020, and Say Something Nice About Me, Augury Books 2016, a CLMP Firecracker Award finalist in fiction, and a 2017 Next Generation Indie Book Award finalist for short fiction. A graduate of Brown University and the MFA program at the University of Michigan, Go Blue, Sarah has taught at Oberlin College, the University of Michigan, and St. Lawrence University, as well as in China, Colombia, and Northern Ireland, where she also studied storytelling. Sarah lives in the North Country of New York State with her husband, the poet Benjamin Landry, and their daughter. She is an assistant professor of English at SUNY Plattsburgh. Sarah, once again, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. So you have, so you've been talking about the invention of love. It came out, you were scheduled for a book tour that turned into a, a Zoom tour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, Zoom, a, a book tour is a slightly generous way of looking at it. I mean, I think that with small a small press book, the tours are small. Uh, but yeah, I was supposed to be out in Ann Arbor um, over the summer, hanging out with friends and um, reading at Literati rather than on Zoom. And I had a couple of things planned in New York City and in the in the area here. But yeah, that all got um, shut down quickly. But, you know, we've adapted. I've adapted. I feel like I've done some other events that I absolutely would not uh, have been able to um, if it weren't for Zoom. Oh, well, then that, okay. So there's, there's that, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's odd, isn't it? Because sometimes it would be then folks that you maybe knew during your time here at Ann Arbor, um, even though they aren't here, because so many people are, right? It's such a transitory place. They could still come to the Zoom um, <laughs> at Literati, even if they were, you know, wherever they were. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, there were friends um, it, from Ann, they were, that who are still in Ann Arbor, and then, you know, friends from my MFA tuning in from beyond Ann Arbor. Yeah, it was, it was great. Well, Sarah, let's, let's talk about your, your storytelling. Cause I, I love how even in your, your bio, you say in Northern Ireland, you were teaching there, but you also studied storytelling. What would, was that something that you knew would happen when you got to Ireland or was it something that you discovered there? Yeah, it was, it was planned. So before I took a year off from college between my sophomore and junior year and to, to, to do that. And my sophomore year of college, I was, um, I had created a storytelling workshop in the public library system in Providence, Rhode Island. And I was working with kids, um, you know, about, um, ages 
eight to ten, and we would, would we would talk about stories, and they would kind of train themselves to tell a story to an audience. So, it, like the end of the workshop would be them um, giving a performance, basically, to their parents and other guests, and during that time, it was for the whole year that I was doing that workshop, I got to know some storytellers in my hometown in Ithaca, New York, who I'd grown up listening to uh, at festivals and um, events uh, around Ithaca. And so I got in touch with them just to, you know, reach out, learn a little bit more. And they said, oh, you're into storytelling. Well, you have to uh, meet uh, this storyteller called Liz Weir, who lives in Northern Ireland. Um, and I th thought that was a great idea. So I just wrote to her. I didn't really write with any expectations, um, but just said, hey, these storytellers, they're called Beauty and the Beast, the storytellers in Ithaca, um, they uh, recommended that I get in touch with you. Um, I, you know, I, this is what I've been doing with the kids and, um, in the States. And so she wrote back and she said, well, you know, you should just become my apprentice. Come on over and be my apprentice. And what, what a wonderful, <laughs> you are so, what a smart young woman you were to <laughs> even think of like, I mean, all that you've already prefaced, like what you were already doing and and then, and then to all, I mean, I can't, I, I, I mean, I wasn't digging in the dirt my sophomore year of undergrad or so, but I certainly wasn't thinking like I could write to someone in another country and, you know, that's just, so what happened with, with Les Weir? What happened? So I did, I went, I did go over, I mean, I made a, a plan to, uh, work for a little while as well. So I wanted to actually explore Ireland, the country of Ireland. And I, so I got a, a work permit, um, to go there first. And, you know, when I, when I arrived, I, I, it didn't know exactly what the job would be, but I ended up working in, as a chambermaid in a, you know, a 19th century castle turned hotel. Uh, five-star wow. hotel <laughs> in the, in the West coast. And it was, so, so I saved some money. Were you, and, were you in Galway or were you somewhere else? It was in, in County Mayo. Oh. Yeah. So not, not far from Galway. Um, yeah. Um, it was this little village of Kong, which is actually where, um, the quiet man was filmed. Oh. So that was the big claim to fame. Well, that and there's this beautiful tw 12th century monastery that I lived across the street from and kind of would walk through on my way to the castle for work in the morning. Um, so it was, yeah, it was really kind of a beautiful and dreamy experience. And then, I mean, it was stressful too. Before I got a job, I was filled with panic. I had no idea what I was doing. I was about, I was ready to give up and quit. And, um, but no, I did it. And then I the, made plans to, um, go up to Northern Ireland after, um, Christmas, I think it was. And so that, that's when I headed up to see her and 
yeah, just live with her. And what, what being her apprentice entailed was a number of things. One being that when she would travel, which she did a lot, um, to Europe and to the United States, I would be home with her, with her teenage daughter. Um, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. I was like, it's so neat that Sarah is anticipating what my next question was. Like, what was it like? And, <laughs> and that was not what I was uh, expecting and probably not what you were expecting. She did. I, th- I think she laid that out in the letter. You know, I can't remember exactly the circumstances or the, the you know, what I knew exactly beforehand. Um, but the other part of it was that she introduced me to a lot of, um, musicians and storytellers in in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, and um, I, I when I could, when she was working in the area, um, in the country or in Ireland, I, I would travel with her. So when she'd be doing school visits, um, so I'd kind of watch her, and I just I spent a lot of time with other professional storytellers. I also she connected me with a school in the area which in an elementary school, um, which is one of the first integrated primary schools in Northern Ireland, meaning one of the first schools that brought together, you know, in a very deliberate way, Catholic and Protestant students. So I did storytelling workshops with, with those kids. Uh, and they must have really needed it too. Yeah. Oh, so it was so great. I, that, that part was really, um, really fun and wonderful. Um, and, and then I would, I, she also, um, introduced me to, um, the folks who run, um, or who ran at the time, um, Balahi Bon, which is a historical center and kind of the, the home of some of, um, Seamus Haney's archives. Cause he, it, it's, it, it's where he grew up. Um, so I, I did some volunteer work there and then, you know, I got to, uh, go out to schools and sometimes do my own workshops, you know, at the, at the end of my time when, um, I had gained some confidence in, in storytelling myself and yeah, it was, it was a, uh, a really great time. And, you know, I, yeah, in some ways I really had some things together, like you were saying, but, but honestly, one of the big reasons I took the year off was that I just, I did not, I feel like I needed a break. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing at college. (laughs) So, um, it was, it was, I knew what I wanted to get out of that year, I thought, but I was also kind of running away from college at the same time. Sophomore year is a, is a weird year because if I, I don't know, it seems like a lot of students now maybe go in with, with more like what they think are like, like a clear path. Um, and, and people, I don't know, maybe people always have, but I remember sophomore year was tough because, um, they're like, you have to declare a major. And I was like, what, what, uh, why? (laughs) I mean, how could anyone possibly know? I know. I I find it uh, yeah, it was quite stressful. Yeah, I just nothing really was landing. I felt I just, um, uh, I mean, I think I also wasn't entirely prepared for what college actually was um, by by my by my public school education, to be honest. So I think I just, 
you know, yeah. And the, and yeah, the whole, <laughs> what, what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. It was so intense. Right. Exactly. And I can imagine that Brown would be one of the more intense places. Um, yeah. I mean, I think in, in a way it's deceptively intense because you get there and you're like, I thought I'd found all my people, like all oh, people who are creative and smart. And it was really dreamy for, for quite a long time. And you don't have to take any classes. You can do whatever you want. Um, but it's easy to feel like you're floundering after a while because there's no requirements. And also a surrounded by students who had been really well prepared <laughs> by, you know, boarding school, private school, um, education. And I think I start, you know, I felt really felt the, the distance between myself and those students. But, um, at first it didn't seem intense. I just felt, Oh, this is just exactly what I've been dreaming of. You know, the kind of place I wanted to learn my whole life. Um, and then realized, Oh, you know, that's, it's more complicated than that. Well, let's, let's talk about this. You knew, so there were a lot of things you didn't know then, but what you did know was that you value, valued stories and you valued storytelling. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about it, Sarah. Well, in so many ways, also because you're talking about the out loud quality and community component yeah. of story, right? It's storytelling. It's, it's not necessarily, I mean, we, we definitely have to talk about <laughs> the short story and, and the stories that are in the invention of love, but it was so interesting to hear you because I was thinking just struck by that, like, oh, it's out loud. Yeah. So what is it about the out loud story? Um, <laughs> which is, you know what? If there's a term, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Um, <laughs> the oral tradition. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. The oral tradition. I like out loud. It, it, it makes it clear exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> too kind or too kind. Um, that drew you. And then, then, and then what was it like? How is that also present in how you approach the stories now is, is if it is. Um, you know, it's just, it's funny because I really, I don't. Well, that's not true. I was going to say I don't tell stories out loud anymore, um, but I do it to my daughter all the time. She has we have a running, made up family that I tell every every day. Every day, it's like, can you tell me a Billy story? And it's all these. This family Billy started off as one mischievous child, and he's become a, a older brother to three younger sisters who are also mischievous. And always causing problems. So, so yeah. So I do to actually tell stories all the time. It just, um, I think at the time I was just, I had actually, I don't, I think it must be something about growing up in Ithaca, which even more when I grew up was, you know, a, a hippie Mecca. And it was just, there were a lot of, um, opportunities to, I don't interact with storytellers. I don't know. My mom was a, you know, a, a, she's a, she's an artisan, she's a knitter. And she, so she belonged to a, to a cooperative craft store. So I think it was through them that through this, through, through these other artists that I get to know, um, and listen to stories. And then, um, I don't know. It's, it's I've, I've always loved being read to as a kid. And then, and then 
while I was, while I was in Ireland, I wasn't really thinking, okay, this is going to be my profession. I am now ready to be a, a storyteller, but, but what it gave me is a kind of, and what I felt the kids who I was teaching in the, these workshops in Providence were getting was a, a, a kind of confidence, a comfort in their own skin. Um, and, and I definitely needed that, um, myself, uh, and got, got more of that. And then is the, that about the, the story, Sarah? Like, can I, that? do you mind if I ask you like, so this, the, the gaining the confidence, is it about, um, the story itself or is it about the, the presence and the, the risk it takes to actually stand up in front of others or a community or a group to, I, to yeah, tell I think it's, story? I think it's about the risk, uh, yeah, and getting fr- in front and of people. I think it's also the story itself, though, because you're you're um, you are you are taking that risk with at least in the stories that I was giving kids to tell, or off, you know, prepare, helping them learn to tell, and that I was initially handling. These were stories that already exist in the canon of oral tra- the oral tradition, um, so. There, you're, you're. Not, it's not that you're hiding behind it, but it's something that's already the structure is already there. So you're not kind of you're, you're vulnerable in that you're in front of a, a a group of people, but you're you are not bearing your own um, words. You know, like you're 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 um, you have this kind of slightly safe way of of presenting your stories. Uh, well, once you memorize something, yeah, too, yeah, you're kind of yeah. It's, there's a memorizing component to it too. It's sort of like you know, it's like being a um, a stand-up comedian where you write, except you're not writing necessarily. Although there are definitely storytellers who do tell their own stories, but yeah, you're you're you you're memorizing it in a way that it feels so that it feels organic when you present it. Because it becomes it becomes part of you in a way because you are the the vessel, so yeah. it's changed. By yeah. you and that, and then you're, I, okay. This, so how, Sarah, is it that it, how did it, how did you go to the page or as a kid, were you also writing stories? Yeah, I was writing a lot as well. Um, I wasn't finishing very much, <laughs> probably really until like getting, you know, leading up to grad school and then grad school itself really taught me how to finish things. But um, it, I think w- actually learning to tell other people's stories out loud really helped, um, instill in me a sense of what, what a narrative arc can feel like and what a kind of a satisfying sense of movement in a story can feel like. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while, even while I was there, you know, I was writing a lot. Um, I always kept a journal throughout college. So I was, I've just kept finding that it was really ultimately my own stories I wanted to tell. Um, and, and the, the oral storytelling telling gave me a tool to figure out how, how to write them better. In one of your, I think your essays that folks can find on your website, Sarah, it's about, I think it, you wrote it for, or it was published in the, the rumpus. Oh yeah. Yeah. The country outside us. Hold on. 
I'm getting confused with two of the things I wanted to talk with you about. (laughs) How embarrassing for me. (laughs) Um, So one of them, I think, was about having store like characters come to you. Yeah, it is two separate things now that I'm flashing back to my memory of your website page. Um, It's when you were saying that there are moments that you in the process of writing where there's magic and sparkle and sometimes the characters are coming fully formed to you. Um, And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I think I remember that, that essay. Can't even remember. I think that was, yeah, that was from a, I remember what that, that's an older one. (laughs) No, you know what? So, so this is on me for not, not actually making more notes, but when I just, so basically what I was wanted to, to ask you about with that is like, wow. Cause sometimes, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to, to talk with people, like, especially, um, maybe, uh, early writers or people who are writing if, if, more at the beginning of college, you know, rather than folks that even as kids were, um, I don't know, compulsively (laughs) writing stories or, or, or making things up because you can kind of get lost in that, that world of that, that moment of like making things, right. There's like this, there's this kind of this lovely loss to it in some way, but where you're actually making something. Um, but like, I wondered, is that what it was like also for you with the invention of love, with these stories? Because in the, um, I think in the acknowledgments, you, you say that these stories were written during, like, like also, um, I think a time after, soon after Iris had been born and you were moving. And there was like some, you know, a lot going on in your life. And it was after the, the 2016 election yeah. too. And what was it like for you, the making of the stories and the invention of love? Yeah, I mean, it is connected to what you were just saying about that essay that I had forgotten I wrote. But <laughs> You're welcome. That, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that early feeling of why, I was actually just talking about this with a, in this other interview, just like when someone asked, okay, what what's your advice for writers? And you know, in the past, my advice was always like, you know, read a lot, write a lot. All that's kind of, you know, the have a some kind of a schedule. Um, trust that, you know, get used to a rejection. But now now it's really like, oh, just remember how joyful and fun it can be. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, when in like some of the, the stories that I would write in, that I wrote in college, like, you know, some is actually being generous. Like there's probably a couple, like I can pinpoint two things I wrote in college that I think were actually decent. Um, but I, where I really had that, that feeling like that slightly magical feeling that something was, um, happening that I was both in control of and not. And there's, a long time, a long stretch where I really didn't have that feeling consistently where I was just really had to teach myself how to, how to write well. Um, and then with this collection, I really felt like I had gotten to that point. And I was also just, so there's so many other things happening that were uncertain and stressful that it was just such a joy to be able to sit down and write that I just uh, had a lot of fun. Um, 
working on these stories, even the stories that are, are not necessarily fun and that are more full of anger, but, but, but it felt really good to work on them. And how were some of these stories coming to you, Sarah? Because it sounds like when you said had to teach myself to write well, that was a bit about the, the sitting down to do it. Yeah. And the kind of keep coming back to it and keep going. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But then what about that? Like with these stories, were there, um, were there some ideas that you'd been kind of had in a notebook for a while or were they ones where a voice or a character would come and present herself or (laughs) yeah I mean kind of all of those things happened in these stories so um I mean a lot of times for me a story most of the time a story will start with some kind of interaction some characters interacting and I'm not really sure what what exactly is going on but there's some kind of tension that I'm interested in um and and a lot of times I get like a couple of paragraphs two or three paragraphs in and I'm not not absolutely sure what happens next so I kind of set it aside and I'll have a bunch of those kind of documents um that I'm kind of moving in and out of until one really catches and I'll keep going so um there were also a couple of things where I that that came out of like looking at old journals and things that like little notes of scenes that I had written in or things that had actually happened that were weird. And I, you know, um, or just like, like the title story, the invention of love, I was looking through an old journal and, you know, I had a couple of friends really did come to my dorm room. They wanted to borrow some makeup to go to a party. And later on, um, that party, um, a, a couple of kids had fallen from the roof of the party and one had, one had died. So I, that is basically all I wrote in my journal. And so I was just interested in kind of, kind of exploring what happened, um, between there and after and in the aftermath. So, um, yeah. And so some, some of the characters came quickly and some some took a lot longer um the uh, let's see like the my husband's second wife took took quite a long time many many drafts um for me to write the um the man running the hiring committee I wrote in like the first draft in you know 15 minutes during while my daughter was playing on a playground and I was just so angry during the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, so yeah, there's like, there's a, there's a range of, you know, where, where the, where the stories came from. And and, and a lot of the first person stories, uh, that I just heard the, the, the voice of the character before I even really, really knew what the, the situation was or what, what they were grappling with. Oh, could you, can you give us an example of that one too? Was that like, would it be you heard Noreen O'Malley? Oh yeah, Noreen O'Malley is actually third person. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Claire. Maybe Claire tells a story oh, yeah. with the narrator Claire. who's talking about Claire. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I did have that. Like I heard, um, I heard that voice. Yeah, like that, and that kind of feeling of 
also just like that one also came from the voice, but also this feeling of oh, sometimes I just don't want to talk. I just would rather get together with someone who else who has their own stories. <laughs> <to tell. Yes. laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then that the, another one, something else who that's first person, that one, it was really, I just heard this kind of weary voice of a character who is, you know, not having creative success and has also recently lost her job. Uh, but I didn't have the entire cast of characters ready at that, you know, from the beginning. With, um, when you mentioned my husband's second wife and how it took a series of, of revisions for that one, but you had, it was something that engaged you. So you also knew, like, I'm going to keep going back to this one. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just it did just kind of stick with me. I mean, I really, um, I mean, I just stayed interested in in actually what was happening. I was sure that story was going to be a, a piece of flash fiction, you know, just under under a thousand words, and that is, you know, kind of. I just had a really shallow glimpse of the the two main characters, the narrator and. Um, Delia, who is, uh, was her husband's second wife. Um, uh, so, and so then I, I really wanted it to be short. And then I just, as I started as I, but I, but I was still really interested in it. It wasn't, it wasn't working. Um, I actually sent it to, to a few places that, um, very kindly rejected and said, we really like the voice of this, but doesn't it feel complete? <laughs> and, and then I finally realized, oh, yeah, that they're right. There's, it's not a, it's not, it's not flash fiction. There's, there's too much between these characters for it to be that. And then I, I really just still struggle to get that one right until I, um, figured out the, some of the connective tissue, the main one thing being the, the book, the, the book. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, because Anna Karenna uh, is, is, is so critical in this. Um, yeah, it was okay. Well, Sarah, since we're talking so much about like kind of mentioning the different stories, is, is there, um, is there a story that, um, or a part of a story that you'd like to read? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. Um, I hadn't really thought thought about that but you know since we're talking about my husband's second wife I don't think I've read from this one at all so I could do that one. Oh, that would be exciting a living writer's debut <laughs> <laughs> for my husband's second wife <laughs> um so I'll just read the the first um page does that sound good oh yes yes Okay. It sounds great. Okay. So um, this is my husband's second wife. Uh, and there's an epigraph at the, the top that from Anna Karenina. Um, a new joyful feeling came over him. It was as if a host of vague but important thoughts burst from some locked up place and all rushing towards the same goal whirled through his head, blinding him with their light. Delia looked the same. Her gray-black hair was piled attractively on her head in the style she had favored before marrying my husband. At first, she didn't see me as she scooped organic walnuts into a paper bag. 
She wore a signature dress, long, almost transparent. As she leaned toward the bulk bins, the fabric grazed the floor. I considered the best way to escape unnoticed, but then she turned and caught me in the blaze of her smile. Delia always had a great smile, shimmering, inclusive. Years ago, before I was married, she was just my neighbor. But even though we were older now, some might say actually old, and our children were graduating from college and having their own kids, even though the man who had been our husband was now married to someone else and living in Texas, I still felt awkward to face her like this, my cart filled with nothing but ice cream, potato chips, and cheap rosé. You changed your hair, she said, alarmed. I had to think about that. My hair was short, but it had been for a long time. Two years ago, I think? Well, she appeared to reconsider. It suits you. Then she asked about my daughter, my son, the grandchild who was now three. For my part, I asked dutifully after the twins, who for one long summer had lived with my daughter, their much older sister, because Delia and my husband didn't know what else to do with them. Mom, they're so spoiled, my daughter had complained, and I smugly refrained from telling her this pleased me. Oh, same, Delia sighed. Kitty's living with a terrible boyfriend. She'll probably marry. Peter's backpacking in Eastern Europe. Claims he's staying in hostels, but the credit card bills. She rolled her eyes, glanced appraisingly at my cart. Though she was probably judging me, I was suddenly filled with goodwill. You should come to our book club. We're reading all the big Russians. This had been Cynthia Shuren's idea, a year of Dostoevsky, Chekhov, and Tolstoy, but in front of Delia I claimed our goal proudly, as if it were mine. That smile again, this time a little apology. Of course she wouldn't come. I've gone a bit lowbrow, she said, only murder mysteries and cookbooks these days. I hid my disappointment behind a conspiratorial little laugh. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, I I love I I love the first two two lines of like right away I can see how um like I, I feel like I could see how at the beginning you may have thought this was flash fiction because there's so much that's being conveyed in such a tight space, which which of course is the work of a short story. Any <laughs> anyway. But um yeah, Delia looked the same. Her gray black hair was pulled attractively on her head in the style she had favored before marrying my husband. Like already you're like, oh okay. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought it was gonna work to like just stay really tight, but it I had to I had to um, zoom in a little bit more. What are like some of the things that interest you about? Because the invention of love is um, full of women. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> 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 um, but they're they're not all you know. Uh, they're not all happy stories. And this one is definitely a story um, that that's full of tension, you know, in, in, in some, in most ways with the, um, the narrator herself. But yeah. What's cause what, what interests you about writing like about these complicated relationships of women? Well, I mean, I, I don't know that many women who haven't had complicated relationships <laughs> with women. I mean, I, I, I also prefer to read stories with women in them. And frankly, uh, most of the writers I read are women as well. Um, and 
unlike this yep. book group. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so, I yeah, I just, um, I, I, I love to think about friendship. The dynamics of friendship are so interesting to me and how, um, how there's so much, um, so much in like so many layers to a friendship or, you know, this is not, this was a fr former friendship that turned, has turned into, you know, n n not that, but it, but it has, has uh, had all these eras. So I'm, I'm just in, really interested in the dynamics of both friendship and rivalry and, um, you know, so, someone also asked me recently, like, okay, there's, you're exploring a lot of infidelity in your stories. And, you know, I, I, that is obviously a key part of this story. Um, you know, and it has, it appears it's part of Anna Kernan too, obviously, which is one of the reasons that book is, book, you know, that becomes a, an object in this story. But, but it's also like Anna Kernan, this story isn't really about the infidelity. It's about the relationship between the, these women. And, um, it's, yeah, I just, I, I, I love, I mean, I, I feel like a good story for me ha always has some kind of tension in it. Um, whether that's in an internal with, with a character or with, with other, with other characters. And so, uh, I always like to kind of tease out, you know, where the source of the tension and what the tension might do, um, how, how it might make the characters act toward each other and in other ways too. I'm not sure if that answers completely what you were <laughs> well, yeah, getting it at. Does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also, I appreciate so much it, that there's like the range of ages too. So many different, um, and, and women from, I don't know, different parts of their lives and, and, places it it feels like things like in one moment you know we could be besides like the like the community pool uh, you know with a high school student yeah another we could be um and inside the ground um under like in a cathedral underground for minors in um i think in colombia or mm -hmm. wait is it okay in colombia yeah. and mm -hmm. so <laughs> with with um with half sisters, right? You know, and and then we can be in a. <laughs> I'll keep going. No, no, I won't go through every story in the book. But um, so, was that something that you felt was important, or was it something that was already happening organically in the stories that engaged you, or was this something that was deliberate? Um, I think it was. It was definitely more organic, but. I don't know that I think that there's a, there's a interesting balance between the organic evolution of, of an idea and your deliberate actions, how they lead to that. I mean, I think I'm just deliberately looking for, you know, influences and in the stuff that I read and, and watch and that has this, you know, diversity in, in place and age range, um, in race and, um, so, so that, you know, I'm deliberate in what I, what I seek out so that, that I think that in part, I wasn't, well, I wasn't thinking about 
that all the time in writing these stories, it, it did seep in, you know, yeah. So my husband's second wife, the characters are much older. Um, and yeah, I'm just interested in how, how, you know, there is some, some similar tensions between these, the two women in, in this story that I think I've seen in other stories that I've written, including, um, Our Lady of Guasa, which is the one in the Salt Cathedral in, in Colombia. But so, but it's that women at different stages of their life and how does that kind of tension and rivalry play out in different, at different stages. Sarah, when you said that the characters from the story we got to hear part of um, are much older. Um, yeah, because you think, I think of Alice Monroe and Grace Paley, but I'm sure, oh, and Ali Smith. Never mind. There's yeah. there's more characters out there now. <laughs> um, <laughs> even Elena Ferrante, right? Because we've got like the whole range of life is represented in this, yeah. <laughs> this quartet or so. Yeah. I mean, I do think that this story actually was also influenced not just by my previous um, interest in women's relationships and all a lot, most of my stories really do explore that. But yeah, specifically by Elena Ferrante and her... Um, you know, I think that in, in grad school, I started feeling like, oh, it's when you write about jealousy and and, and infidelity and, and specifically, it's just cliche. Um, and, you know, don't, you know, it's too melodramatic and, you know, there's, but then I was just reading Elena Ferrante. I was like, oh my gosh, melodrama. <laughs> Bring the rivalry, <laughs> infidelity. <laughs> page after page after page. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So and, I feel like also I have... not be also things that are like very we think like not shying away from making something that's uncomfortable in the center of the thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like, like, yeah, she, she reading her just was a, a just wonderful permission to just write what I had been wanting to write all along. Um, and to kind of explore that really in different ways. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe in that way that there was some deliberateness in, okay, I'm, I am going to do this, but, but yeah, yeah. And that was for Sarah, the invention of love. Then this book is different in that way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think some, some, there was some writing of these stories that blends like where they kind of were at, on parallel tracks at certain points. Like there's a couple of stories in this collection that are actually from, you know, go back, date back to grad school. Um, so before that, my first book came out, but yeah, most of these came at, where I wrote most of these after I wrote the first book. That's so interesting. Can you off the top of your head, like, which is, what is the story before grad school, before the MFA? Um, oh yeah. There's no, there's no stories from, sorry, from before grad school. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Just, I mean, there were the, the, there are a couple, so Our Lady of Guazan house hunting started while I was in grad school, but most of the rest are, you know, after I was, had finished writing the stories from my first book and then, and also after my daughter was born. 
so it is interesting to hear also like the things that we have in us right and then and we may even think we're already <laughs> um, <laughs> living it or so or you know like writing yeah. it I guess to be more specific and then we can have this moment where we're like we're we are we're being opened up by other like writers in our writer family yeah oh I love that way of thinking about it yeah like the writers you read and also the writers who you you you're in communication with I mean, it's, it's amazing to think like, Oh, I, I somehow have a permission that I didn't even know I needed. Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen for you too? <laughs> I think things do all the time and I don't always learn the lesson right away. Definitely. Um, yeah. 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 I think it, it just feels so good when you, you recognize something that, that, Oh, that yeah, that gives you that permission that you're, that says, okay, you know, I was on the right track, or I'm on the right track, or actually, I wasn't on the right track only because I wasn't really listening to, I wasn't doing what I really felt was important, you know, myself because I was listening to these other critics. Um, how how do you shake that off or do you, you like you're saying that you can't, you do recognize it sometimes, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I don't, I'm not, I'm not currently suffering from that. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I did deliberately like, you know, the, that re recognizing what I wanted to do while reading Elena Ferrante was really liberating. And also just at a certain point, I think we're reflected on how one of the rejections of my first book was, um, you know, okay, well, we, we've already seen pregnancy and, you know, women in academia and infidelity, basically, you know, and I, and I, and I had realized that I was seen it. We yeah. Were, like yeah. they've read like one story. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so it wasn't just coming from grad school at all. Like it was like, that was a, but I, I think that I was really trying to be so careful that I wasn't writing, you know, that I wasn't writing into that stereotype. And then, you know, and now I'm like just going for it. Cause those are the things I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. So what, I mean, so what are you writing now, Sarah? Can you, can you talk about it? Well, yeah, I'm, I am working on a novel. It's so slow though. I mean, T it's, oh boy. It's just, just cause I've had to move so much since we left Ann Arbor in 2014, I think, you know, it, it sort of, I lose the thread consistently. And then with COVID and my daughter's home like she's literally just dancing now above my head not crying oh. <laughs> anymore at least um so yeah it's hard to but I am yeah I'm working on a, a novel that is inspired in part by you know my love of Charlotte Bronte um well actually and and Anne Bronte as well and governess stories and um and there's infidelity in there as well. <laughs> there's, there's, and also I li deliberately put made a character pregnant 
who I, who was not initially because I was like, I, because of that being a, kind of annoyed at that earlier critic. Completely. You're like, what the world needs is another character in a novel that's yeah. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I'm trying to work on. I mean, I've been getting veered off by like doing a couple of um, essays and, you know, I just uh, wrote another um, very short story as well. It's also kind of, it's set in Victorian England. So it's kind of, it's my, I'm kind of my heart is sort of in that time period in a way. Um, although the, the novel actually is not just set there. It's, it's also cont- a contemporary story. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, I, what I'm trying to, to, to work on, on, on this longer project. That's, that's trying, I'm trying to keep myself focused on when I actually have any time. Well, and is this, Sarah, is it the first novel? Uh, no, I wrote um, a really um, bad first draft of, a, of another novel um, a few, in like 2014, 15, I can't remember. Yeah, I have, I just, I just opened it the other day just to see if it was as bad as I thought. And yeah, it is. No. <laughs> still still bad so I it I I was like oh my god I can't I can't look at this again so that 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 is kind of in in the trash but this one is that I'm working on now is has has stayed with me for a while is that what it is because I was going to say what is the allure of this form then because because you do like you like like we talked about earlier and you just mentioned you also you're writing essays you know and there's yeah lots of writing happening so yeah. what is the allure of the novel? Well, I mean, I think initially it was, oh, well, you know, only people really only want to publish a novel, not a short story collection. Um, oh, see, don't but, listen to these people, Sarah. I right? know we don't. You're right. You're right, T. <laughs> we don't. However, I also, I do, I do really, I love reading novels. I love short stories. I love, I love reading short stories and I love writing them. Um, but I also really love writing novels, you know, and I, and I, and I think that also just for, for, I, I am in, I, I actually do get joy out of it. I'm not, this is like sitting down to work on this novel. It's the same thing as when I was writing the invention of love, I feel lucky to be able to do it. I mean, it's hard, but it feels fun. And I just want to feel like I, you know, I wrote one that I think is really bad. I'd like to write one that I feel good about to have taught myself in a way to how to, to do it well. And, you know, I, I and also for, for not just for my own sake as an artist, but for my, for, for teaching, I have so many students who want to write longer form and I'd love to be able to teach a novella or a novel class one of these days with, with the confidence of having really good advice from my own experience. Well, I'm sure that is coming down the pike. I'm sure, <laughs> sure of it, Sarah. Um, and do, are you also? Um, you talked about the stories that you tell um, out loud in the oral story <laughs> tradition to Iris. Um, the Billy stories. Are you also writing these down? You know, I sometimes tell myself, "You got to write these down." I have written. I did in the early days. I would. I did write some of them down, but usually, you know, she asked me to tell them so late at night because um, you know the one of the impacts of the 
pandemic and not going to school that she just stays up a lot later. So I'm so, I'm so tired by the time she's, I've told one of these stories or I told one yesterday while we were hiking. I didn't have any pen and paper. I'm just so tired that I don't usually write them down, which I know is I'm going to regret that later. But you're telling um, them off the top of your head too, Sarah. Is that part of this story? Like the telling of these stories to Iris? Yeah. And it used to be completely just me and my, my own ideas. And now actually she, um, when she requests a Billy story, she has a plot line. Wow. That's and good. so she is basically already kind of written it and given me the blueprint. She won't, but she will not take ownership as the storyteller. She, I'll say, well, you've already told it, honey. And she'll say, no, that's just the idea. <laughs> you now have to tell it. So, I'll, you know, I'll add in the voices and the, um, the dynamics and like usually one funny thing that makes her squeal with laughter. Uh, but yeah, it's just make yeah. So, so, so I have a little bit of a cheat sheet that she gives me every time now. It sounds like a, a really wonderful collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> it's like both collaboration and in, indentured servitude. Like I am absolutely rec- like I've been hired by her to tell these stories. <laughs> well, Sarah, then you've got to get Iris into the novel now. <laughs> I know. I really, she was sure that she would actually have great, she's so good with plot. I mean, I think kids are naturally, you know, they're, they've never gone to a point that so many writers have, where they're like, Oh my God, what is plot? How do I handle plot? What happens next? They just, they kind of know, um, they like kind of breathe plot breathe plot yeah (laughs) well sarah i've loved talking with you today thanks so much oh t it's been great thank you for having me well let's talk again yes i love that you've been listening to living writers today a conversation with sarah schaff about her collection of stories, The Invention of Love, out this year with Split Lip Press. Check out Living Writers website for an archive of episodes and follow Living Writers Instagram and Twitter for photos, author playlists, and more. Thanks to Home George for Living Writers theme song, Maybe. And thanks to you for listening today. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time.
Your love brings jitters Like loving a stranger Makes me wonder if I know My own Hello, welcome to the Daily DSR on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, WCBN. Uh, this is Adam Bressler with Andrew Miller, Ryan Krause, and Charlie Brigham. Before we dive in deep to the fun sports topics we have prepared, um, just a reminder that this is being recorded on Tuesday evening, even though you're listening on Wednesday at 6 p.m. So in all likelihood, a World Series champion could be crowned by the time you're listening to this. However, we don't know. Uh, but that, that kicks us off uh, to begin with. And we have the World Series between the Tampa Bay Rays and the uh, LA Dodgers. Dodgers are up three to two and a chance to win their first World Series since 1987, I believe. Uh, what do you think of this Dodgers team? Do they finally have what it takes to close out? See, for me, the Dodgers are – I'm rooting for the Rays here, just to preface, but the Dodgers are a much better team. I mean, you can you can see it just by looking through the first five games. I mean, the Dodgers are leading 3-2. The three games that they won, they won 8-3, to 6-2, and 4-2. to two. Uh, the two games that the Rays won, the final scores were Rays 6, Dodgers 4, and Rays 8, Dodgers 7. So just looking at that, you can just see that the Dodgers' offense is just – they've been hitting the ball really, really well. You know, they got weapons all the way through the order. I mean, their pitching staff has looked great. Um, coming into this World Series, you know, I had, I kept saying that the Rays were my pick, at least just coming into the playoffs, because their bullpen is is so good. But the Dodgers, just their offense has been incredible lately. They just can't seem to miss. Yeah, I think for Tampa Bay today, I think they got 